This is Dr. Jerry Tolbert, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Here's to Your Health. For today's podcast, I thought I would do a bit of a long-form post on uh, something that I originally uh, put out on Facebook a couple of weeks ago uh, in response to some comments that I had heard about the flu vaccine, and I wanted to put forth a little bit of information uh, from both the public health side and to bust a couple of myths that may be floating around out there about uh, influenza and about the flu vaccine itself. So it is flu season, and we are all gearing up for flu season in the healthcare industry. Most people have gotten their flu shot. If they haven't, it's still available, and it's important that you go out and get vaccinated against influenza because as a disease, influenza still kills more than 250,000 people a year, according to CDC and and NIH estimates. Uh, It could be as much as 500,000, depending on which source you're looking at and during which time period. So anything we can do that cuts down on the number of infections uh, or decreases the severity of infections is something that I'm going to recommend from both a public health and a just a private physician perspective. That being said, uh, there are a couple of different options out there right now for the flu vaccine. Uh, the most common being the flu shot, uh, which we'll talk about in just a moment. The second most common being the inhaled or nasal spray uh, flu vaccine. Uh, This vaccine is a little bit different than the shot. It's actually an attenuated virus, meaning that it has been heat treated in order to kill any live virus particles. But there are still some whole virus particles uh, in the the vaccine. They're just non-functional. It's not uh, a dangerous vaccine, but... Because it's only been around for a short period of time, relatively speaking, it's something that we are still being very careful about uh, from a public health and safety perspective, and therefore uh, individuals that are at higher risk or that have a compromised immune system, uh, so people like the elderly, uh, pregnant women, it's not as readily recommended. There are some cases where it's okay, uh, but you need to check with your physician about which uh, vaccine is going to be the best for you. Um, The other vaccine is the injectable vaccine or the flu shot. This is actually a uh, protein-based injection, not an attenuated virus. Uh, Therefore, there are no virus particles. All that gets injected are little pieces of proteins that are found exclusively on the influenza virus. Those proteins are used as a trigger for the immune system to know exactly what it's looking for. The analogy that I use, and I brought this up in a short form on the on the webpage, but this is a, a much longer version of it, is to a mugshot. In essence, the flu vaccine acts like a mugshot for the immune system which is acting like the law enforcement agencies. The vaccine presents a picture, an image of the virus so that the immune system knows what it's looking for. Pieces of the proteins are put forth for the immune system to recognize, and then the immune system can then 
attack at will when the real virus comes in. The analogy here, uh, if you think about a mugshot, it's a picture, but it also has other vital information, height, weight, hair color, eye color, those kinds of things that allow law enforcement to really single out the person who's really supposed to be responsible for committing the crime. But like a mugshot, the virus um, represents so much more than the actual photo or the piece of paper that they're handing out. And to that end, the mugshot can't shoot you or harm you, whereas the murderer in the mugshot very easily could. Um, the analogy holds up here. A, a flu vaccine is not... The, the injectable flu vaccine, which is just proteins, is not going to give you the flu. Like a mugshot, it does, however, trigger those enforcement agencies to ramp up what they're doing. Once a mugshot's been created, it's dispersed to these law enforcement agencies, and they may uh, break out the dogs to start sniffing for the criminal. They may attempt to set up roadblocks. They may set up uh, checkpoints where they're screening everybody that comes through. They may mobilize more police force so that they're ready, so that when they do see this guy, they can take him down. The same thing happens with your immune system, and it's responsible for what most people call the flu shot giving them the flu. Most of the symptoms that we associate with influenza, body aches, fatigue, fever, headaches, that all-around feeling of blah, all of those things are actually your body's response to any immune insult. They're one of the ways that your body actually attempts to destroy the invader. To that end, anytime you have an immune response, you can have those symptoms. That's why if you ever talk to your physician and say, oh, I've had a fever for two or three days, it doesn't really trigger a list of, of, of possibilities the same way that saying, oh, I cut my finger off does. That's a very single, that's one represented entity. You cut your finger off, we know that's there. Fever can be any kind of infection. It can also be from other immune insults. Um, so anything that affects the immune system can cause a fever. And we'll talk about that in a later podcast. But back to influenza. The injection of that protein triggers a ramping up of the immune system. And that's what's responsible for all of those uh, symptoms that you may have after having the vaccination. You may feel bad. You may feel um, like you have a little bit of a low-grade fever. You may feel like you have body aches. You may feel nauseated or have a little bit of fatigued feeling. That's your body's response to that vaccine. And in fact, we want that. That shows us that your body is actually ramping up production of the substances that it uses to fight off the actual virus. True influenza uh, is devastating, uh, especially in people that are at high risk, people like the elderly, people who have immune uh, system problems, uh, pregnant ladies. All of those people are, are very much at risk for uh, developing a bad case of influenza. What the vaccine oftentimes does, if it doesn't prevent entirely developing the infection, it will at least cause a much less serious infection and oftentimes one that doesn't last nearly as long. True influenza causes very high fever and it can last for several days. Um, and as I said before, it is responsible for several hundred thousand deaths per year, uh, even more than a lot of other conditions that um, most people are, are still terrified of. 
And so it's very important, again, like I said, that we work hard to dispel any myths around the influenza vaccine because the vaccine can actually act as a protectant, not only for the people that get it, but also for the people around them. Uh, from a public health perspective, if I were to vaccinate 15 people, the 16th person is going to get some benefit from that because those 15 people that are around him are going to be less likely to uh, develop significant cases of influenza and are therefore less likely to pass it on to him. Uh, and so it's important that we use that herd immunity, if you will, to protect some of those people that may not be able to get the, the vaccine or that are unwilling to get the vaccine. And then one final point about influenza, since it is flu season, one very important thing to remember is there's some simple things that you can do that while there's not a ton of evidence that they are 100% uh, effective, they're very cheap and they're very easy, and so we do them anyway. The number one of those being wash your hands. Uh, most of the infectious diseases that we develop, uh, especially influenza, which is a virus, are, can be transmitted from uh the droplets that we secrete, uh, so uh, mucus, um, saliva. And so if you get those things on your hand, rubbing your nose, rubbing your face, uh, you can pass those on to other people just by the touch of a hand. So wash your hands, especially after blowing your nose um, or, or touching your own secretions, whatever those might be. The other is cover your cough. If you know you're going to be in an area where there are people that may be immunocompromised, it may even be a good idea to wear a mask. Um, and it's important that you prevent those droplets from spreading any further than they absolutely have to. Uh, last year and the year before, during the big H1N1 influenza uh, debacle, there was a, a study that showed if you coughed into the curve of your elbow rather than coughing into your hand, you were less likely to transmit uh, virus particles, and that's actually a pretty good um, suggestion coughing into what we call your anticubital fossa, and that just sounds funny. But the front part of your elbow, if you cough into that rather than coughing into your hand, you're less likely to spread those, uh, those virus particles to other places. Um, so just by way of summary, uh, remember influenza is, a, is still a deadly virus. It's still a very nasty infection, and even though we may talk about having the flu when we really mean that we've got a head cold, uh, true influenza can be very debilitating or even deadly. It's very important that we protect ourselves from it in any way that we can. And um, the big three things that we talked about, um, number one, getting your influenza vaccine. Number two, uh, making sure that you wash your hands uh, anytime you're going to be touching any secretions. And number three, just covering your cough and keeping other people from getting the droplets that you spread around. All of those are going to act together to decrease the risk for everyone involved um, and by doing so uh, potentially save lives. This is Dr. Jerry Tolbert and here's to your health. The contents of this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, the physicians involved do not in any way guarantee or warrant the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of any of the messages presented herein and will not be responsible for any of the content of any message. For all medical questions, always consult your personal physician for any specific medical advice.